Mac Power Users, Episode 222, Workflows with Mike Hurley. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm I'm well. I'm well. I'm excited. I'm just getting back from Milo Fest. Had a great time at that conference. But I've really been looking forward to this episode for for a while. It's it took us a while to get it scheduled, but I am so excited to have our friend and colleague uh, Mike Hurley on the show. Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, David. It's this is an honor. Like this is like a Mac Power uses is an institution, uh, and I am very very honored that you've invited me to come on the show today. So thank you. Yeah, I can't you know, it took us this long. I don't know why we didn't get it done sooner, Mike. Well, I'm kind of glad, honestly. I mean, we could have had John before and had John again now, but but you've got a lot of stuff going on. And I know we originally reached out to you a couple of months ago, but time zones are are tricky things, and getting all that figured out. And lo and behold, you've uh, you've got some new exciting things to talk about, even that's happened in the last couple of months. So I, mm-hmm. I think the timing has kind of worked out. I agree. So, um. Mike, you know, obviously everybody knows you who listens to this podcast, I'm sure, from your excellent podcast network, uh, Relay.fm, that you've launched in in the last couple of months. And I just want to tell you, I I told you off mic, and and I'm going to tell you now that you guys are absolutely killing it over there. Um, In addition to producing the Mac Power users, I love podcasts. It's it's probably uh, one of, it's probably the thing that I do for entertainment. And I love it because I can listen to them around the house and I can listen to it while I'm doing things. But I think I subscribe to just about as every one of your podcasts, uh, almost every one of your podcasts on on Relay, and, and they are just awesome. And I'm such a fan of the work that you're doing. Thank you, Katie. That, that really means a lot to me. We, we're working really hard. Like I've been doing this stuff. Uh, I've been podcasting for five years in April. Um, so I've been doing it for quite a while and I'm sure we'll get into this, but like, this is the second network that I've run. I was on five by five for a while. So we've been working really hard and, and me and Stephen put a lot of work into getting Relay FM off the ground. And I'm really happy with the shows that we've got at the moment. And, and we're just working hard on, on sort of what the future looks like for us, I think. And when you say Stephen, you're referring to Stephen Hackett over at 512 pixels. Five twelve pixels. Um, I actually am a little upset with you, Mike, um, because oh. it's, uh, it's kind of a long convoluted story, but you know, one of the things that you've done is you started a show with Jason Snell, who I think is one of the smartest voices in, you know, the Apple space. He's been reporting on Apple for years and years. And I just think Jason really understands a lot more of this than just about anybody out there. So you put him on air. So now we get to hear Jason every week and get all his input. So now Jason's got a six colors. Was it com? I believe the six colors.com yeah. website. So now right. I'm reading Jason every day. And um, I had made this big deal about this new Retina iMac. I had a plan, and my plan was I was not going to look at them, (laughs) and I was going to pretend they didn't exist. So then you and Jason start talking about it. Then I read the review on Jason's website, and thanks to you jerks, I just spent a bunch of money. So... Didn't I say I, something about this was going to happen in the last episode? I think yeah, I said, well, it, David, have you bought a Retina iMac yet? You're totally it, going to. And you said, no, I'm not. I'm very happy it, with my laptop. I am. And I, it completely happened. I said, well, I won't look at them. I'll just read Jason's review. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should just go look at them. And now I've got one on order. So thanks, Mike. Thanks a whole I think, lot. I think it's perfectly fine to just invoice Jason for that. Um, okay. And, and he can help you out with that. I think. I'll tell I think. him that. 
I'll yeah. tell him that you said it's okay. We we got yeah. this on tape. Let's mark that. Let's mark the record. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a great show. I, I I'm with Katie. I think you're doing some great stuff. And and it, and the interesting thing for the Mac Power Users listeners is you've created this whole network and you're running all this stuff and it's all happened in the last few months and it's doing really well. But how in the heck are you pulling it all together? Uh, sticky tape and wishes. I think yeah. is, is the majority of it. I mean, that, obviously that I do works. all of my work from a Mac um, and I have a couple of different machines that I use. And, I, you know, I, I think it's funny like to, to think of myself as being on a workflows episode because I feel like I don't have any. Uh, obviously I do, but like, you know, when you just look at this sort of stuff and it's like all I know is I'm like pulling things together randomly using email and calendars and logic and Skype, you know? And then yeah. somehow at the end of it, comes out podcast network i think now mike are you a fairly new mac convert or have you been using Macs all your life um i've been using Macs maybe for like 10 years i think um did you come over like with the intel transition or exactly the intel transition so my first mac was the first intel mac the imac um i i'd had an ipod um when i was younger uh, and then maybe a couple of years later, I decided I wanted to get a Mac um, and was waiting for, there was an event in like, it was like in the January or something. I think it was Macworld. It, yeah, it would have been about the January time. Uh, and I was like, right, whatever they'll announce, I'll go for it. And then they surprised us all with the move to Intel. So I was like, that's the machine for me. Obviously showing my sort of uh, inexperience with the Mac is that I <laughs> I went in on a Mac of a completely brand new architecture. Ah! problem uh but it was fine and and i fell in love and i've been a, a mac user ever since different laptops and desktops and i'm now i uh, have two machines that i use i have a mac mini which is what i'm talking to you on right now um, i'm looking to upgrade that to uh, a newer mac mini is the one that i currently have as a spinning hard drive and it, it makes me sad uh, and i use a retina macbook pro it's just my daily machine and that's the one that i'm looking at right now and i got all my outlines and stuff on here so as I'm recording the shows, I record everything on the Mac Mini and I don't touch it. It just sits and records and I collect show notes and look at links and all that sort of stuff on the MacBook Pro, which sits right in front of me. So why do you feel the need to have two separate machines for the recording versus the, um, you know, the research element of the show? Uh, I like to, for my production machine, I like to kind of leave on its own as much as possible. So that machine, I do all of the recording and editing and then posting of the shows, but it's still running, um, I think Mountain Lion, Mountain Lion, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's on, well, it's on 10.8. Uh, so that, what is that? Is that Lion? Mm. What's the software that's keeping you on 10.8? Uh, I just don't like to upgrade it. So that machine, I like to leave on its own uh, as much as possible. So I only upgraded it to if 10.8 is, li- is Lion, right? Yeah, 10.8 is Lion. Uh, I uh, upgraded I believe, it to... I believe it's Mountain Lion. Mountain Lion. Oh, this yeah. is terrible. Steven's going to be so upset at me. Yeah, uh, he will. <laughs> no, no, let's, let's, go, let's go backwards. 10.10 10, 10 is Yosemite. 10.9 is Mavericks. So... Okay, 10 yeah. is Mountain 10 Lion. 10 yeah, we got it. Good job, guys. Uh, and we, I only we are professionals it. at this. <laughs> I only upgraded it from Snow Leopard to Mountain Lion because of Logic Pro 10. Otherwise, like, it would still be... It, it would be running the, la- the oldest OS that it can. And I do that because I don't want anything to break on that machine. Like, without that, this machine, like, everything falls apart, right? It's what I record my stuff onto and publish it. 
So I also don't like it. I also like to keep the separation because if I want to do silly things like I want to install the dev preview of Mav- of Yosemite or I want to try out this weird application that I found, I don't want to put that stuff on the machine that runs my business, you know? So that's why yeah. I kind of split them apart. So are you... No, but- I'm, so this, I just want to get an idea. So on this uh, Mac Mini, your production machine, you're using what Skype Call Recorder, Skype, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Logic Pro for your edits. Yep, nice cost cool. for streaming. Okay, and um, but but I mean, all those things work fine on Mavericks and probably Yosemite at this point. Right, they do actually. Are, are there any custom audio interfaces? Because I know custom, well, custom audio interfaces and any kind of custom audio plugins that you have tend to lag behind for sure. So you, I don't know if you're using any custom audio plugins for for Logic because those could nope. definitely hold you back. No, it is purely for me. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. What kind of mic do you use? Uh, I'm using a high old PR40. Oh, that's a nice um, mic. I have that running into a, a Mackie mixer and then into the into the Mac Mini. There are many yeah. people that tell me that I need a preamp. I know it's on the shopping list, uh, but that stuff's really expensive, David. So I, yeah. I try and minimize that as much as possible. I had a Heil PR40. I bought a used one from Victor Cahiao uh, from the typical Mac user podcast because he just didn't like it that much. And uh, keeping it running for the show was very tedious and it did need a preamp and it did have, I didn't have one. So I just ran it off a small board like you and it had a, a had like a buzz in it there was like a there was some problem with the mic eventually and i just got the road podcaster it's like 250 bucks with mm-hmm. the boom mount and i think it sounds just fine but yeah the pr40 i, I kind of it does need the extra gain and all the warmness that uh, like a preamp will give it but i've got my mixer set in such a way that i think it sounds okay yeah, And I like the way my voice sounds with this mic. That's the main reason I use it. I've used uh, the Yeti. I've used the Rode. Um, but this mic, I just like the way I sound. So like, I think I can make it sound a lot better. But I think what, I've, what we've got at the moment and with this setup is good enough. You know, I, th- I think that things sound good. The, the PR40 is, is difficult because you kind of have to learn how to talk to it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't. I'm not a, a doctrine of good mic technique, uh, but I think I've developed a way of talking to this microphone that I think works quite well. You know, like right now I am facing it. I'm talking right into it and I'm a couple of inches away from it because if I turn my head a bit, you can't hear me anymore. And so you kind of have to just start getting used to that. But I do love this microphone. It was an investment, uh, but one that I'm very, very happy that I made. But when I first got all this equipment, it was a, just a disaster. Like I had no idea. I still don't have any idea what I'm doing with it because this. I'm kind of just working it out as I go along. Uh, but I was just got everything wrong. The levels were horrendous. Sometimes things would just randomly stop working. It was just a disaster. <laughs> Which is another yeah. reason why I'm scared to add any more equipment into that into that system. You know, because I'm just worried yeah. they'll break everything again. Setting up a, a PR40, I think, is kind of a experimentation where you play with the knobs and dials and just just practice. I, you know, it's funny whenever I hear my voice, I don't like the sound of my voice because you know you hear a different voice in your head than the one that you're projecting, and the one that actually people are hearing that comes out of my lips and goes over the podcast. I that guy doesn't really sound that smart to me, but maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just me. <laughs> 
I'm getting used to hearing my own voice enough because obviously I have it coming through the the headphones and it does sound different. The one that I'm hearing right now, because I've you know I've, I've got it wired correctly, sounds different to the voice that I'm used to. However, I do also kind of like this is just getting so weird inside mic technique stuff. Uh, I do have a slightly different voice on air than I do when I speak. Um, I enunciate differently and, and things like that, and, and I put in different inflection in my voice. I don't know why I've just developed it over time, but like if you listen back to really old stuff, uh, I sound a little bit more American now than I did a couple of years ago, which is horrifying to me. That's because of all that bad company you're hanging out with. <laughs> I mean, when I say things like mobile, people just like their eyes, like when they're like, "What is what is wrong with you? Why are you saying these words?" Is it mobile? It is mobile, yeah. All right. I have a bunch of a bunch of little things now that little Americanisms that I use in daily in daily practice. It's just it's probably because you listen to so many podcasts, you're picking mm-hmm. it up. Just don't just do me a favor, never lose the H. Oh never. no, never, never ever. It's my favorite. Mike, why? What made you decide that? You know, I I, I think I might like to start a podcast, and and then how did that turn into? I think I might start a podcast network. Uh, I'm a failed blogger, Katie. Is the is me too the right now? Reason. I understand that. <laughs> I tried to, you know, act like everybody. I, I wanted to, I wanted to have a voice and and have a creative outlet for the stuff that I thought about technology. So I tried blogging over and over and over again, and could never really get into it. Writing is a is something that I do enjoy, but I really, really beat myself up over it. Like the amount of time and effort that I put into to writing something and editing and editing and changing and going back. And I, I enjoy the process, but not on a regular basis. Um, and then, so then me and a friend of mine uh, decided that we wanted to try, we, we used to have long phone calls about what was happening in technology. So we started a, a podcast before, oh, what, people might want to listen to this. This was like five years ago and it was called The Bro Show, which is I the remember worst. The Bro Show. The worst podcast name in history. Um, at the time, I thought oh, that sounds fun. People can know. People understand what that sounds like and can spell it. But the show started out very differently. It was like pop culture and technology and like movies and video games. So we didn't. I didn't really have like the idea of an identity. Plus, I thought nobody would ever listen. Um, and then we started getting guests on the show, and then we kind of built it from there. And then, like many people. Um, who start a podcast, I got bit by the podcasting bug. And then every idea that I ever had would then turn into a podcast. You know, oh, I enjoy this type of thing. Let's start a podcast about it. Um, and I I was kind of like within maybe six months, I was doing like four different shows. Um, so then I decided that probably the best thing to do was to put them all on one website. Um, so I, I started a podcast network called 70 Decibels in 2011. Um, and then it kind of kind of started to build from there. Mike Hurley, without a single unpublished thought. <laughs> Everything that I think about <laughs> goes into some sort of podcast somewhere. Or like you I get it's... a new hobby. I'm like, hmm, I enjoy Lego. Why not start a Lego podcast? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. kind of just that's how my mind <laughs> thinks these days. Yeah, me too, brother. I can't help it. <laughs> um, the uh, but you know you pulled all this off, and and you have kind of built this this little network. And I want to talk about that. But before we we get to that part, 
Um, let's kind of close the loop on just the mechanics of recording a show. And, and we've done a show on podcasting. It's several years old now. We probably should go back and revisit it. Except I don't we'll think things have changed that much for us. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll consider that a, this, the revisiting of that. But, you know, we, we talked about which mics do you buy, but you know, what are the mechanics of recording a show? I mean, how do you, I mean, what's the software setup you start up when you want to record a podcast with somebody? So, this has changed for me over the years. Um, currently, I we do local recordings for everybody. Um, and so that's what is, we would call the double enders. Yeah. Um, so but because I have some people with three, then triple ender, and then it starts to get like just met, like the wording gets crazy. So we just, just go with local recordings. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's actually more descriptive too. Yeah. And double ender sounds, sounds weird. Um Sounds kind of dirty, actually. Yeah, I didn't want to go down that route, David, but yes, that's, that's exactly why. <laughs> the first time somebody said that to you, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> what are we doing yeah. here? Um, so we do local recordings for everyone. Um, this adds in a level of work, but the sound quality is so much better and you get a lot more control over cutting things out if necessary and editing whilst becoming more complex. It gives you more places that you can fool around with it. So for now, example, just, just to make sure that everybody knows what that means, cause we glossed over that fairly quickly, yeah. but it means that everyone who's on the Skype call. So, and, and that's actually how we do it too. Both in this case, Katie, David and Mike will each record their own microphones. Somebody will have a recording of the Skype call and this case it's usually me but everybody will have their own local recordings of their microphone and what that prevents is it prevents you from getting any of those what we call those little skype issues that sometimes the skype connection will drop out or something will happen but by everybody having their own local copy of the recording you're getting a clean just from their mic recording of their call and it gives you some additional options for editing so go ahead and continue with your description Let me just add to that. Um, not only does it give you the clean local recording, the problem with doing it the other way, which is just record the Skype call on somebody's computer that has all the voices in it already, is you're, you know, the, the other people on the call, their voice has to go across the Internet. In our case, in this call, it has to go across the Atlantic Ocean and back to Mike. And you're going to have noise. And so you're going to have one person that sounds really good and one person that sounds like, they're calling in it and on a tin can. So this allows you to remove that problem as well. So how so do you the, pull off? I'm sorry. No, the reason we, that we decided to move to this was because of the prompt. So when we were doing the prompt on five by five and, and the main problem was because we were spanning the globe, the, the quality was just terrible. Like when me and Federico record or me and Steven record, it's fine, but put the three of us on and it's, it's, it just sounds horrific. Cause the, then yeah. you're going Tennessee, uh, London and Italy somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it it really kind of messes, messes things up. So we did, I think maybe the first two episodes, maybe the first episode with the Skype call. um, And then we decided to go local. And then once I started doing it that way for that show, I moved all of the shows that I did to doing local recordings. Does that ever create a problem? Do you ever have, I mean, occasionally we'll have it fail. We'll have a guest who, for whatever reason, doesn't get their, their call recorder settings right, or doesn't get their settings right. And we lose their audio and we have to fall back to the Skype call. But in, in general, do you find that that's working well for you? Or do you have some guests that just say, no, I'm not going to do that. Or, 
Um, we've had some instances where we can't do it. So like um, on virtual recently, we had uh, a game developer on who was using Windows. He wasn't sure how to do it. I couldn't really instruct him on how to record his own microphone. So for that portion of the show, we just used the Skype call. Um, and, you know, there are some, some guests I have on Inquisitive. Um, I don't want to have to ask them to, to do it for me or whatever. Like I, I tend to typically ask people that are podcasters because they just do it instinctively. We made um, David Allen do it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Congratulations. Uh, there, there are some, some people I just, I just don't ask or the call sounds relatively okay. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to rely on people to get it right and have to send me the file in some, some instances. Cause if you're relying on that, sometimes that can be a problem in itself. You wait for like 24 hours before they email you the, the link or something. Um, but most of the time it works, but because we do it this way, we always have the fallback, which is the Skype call. If I wasn't asking people to record, we have no fallback. So like if the Skype call fails, if some, or the Skype recording fails, something bad happens there, we've got nothing. But at least this way, if we're all recording locally, we have at least have that and the Skype call. You know, I've always been curious about or thought about buying an extra road podcaster and making it like our shipping mic. And when we've got an interview planned with somebody who we don't think really has a good mic or a lot of familiarity with this stuff, is just shipping that mic off to that person and then having them ship it back to us after the interview so we can send it to the next guy. Oh, you know but what, David? I've, I've got one. If that ever comes up again, I've got an extra one sitting here in the closet. Oh, you do? I didn't know. Well, because it seems like a good idea, but I don't know if it's too intrusive to ask guests to go to the post office for us and do all that. So I, I don't know, but it seems like a good a good way to deal with this stuff. Um, one of the things I do, and I think Katie does this as well, in addition to running Call Recorder, and Call Recorder, if you want a podcast, is is really the magic sauce of getting these uh, local recordings done and also having the backup. But um, I also run Piezo, which is a little $10 app in the app store and it has a Skype um, component to it. So you can start it up and it'll either record just your mic. In fact, that's what we tell, like when we have guests that don't have Skype recall recorder and we don't want to kind of put them into that level of nerdiness, we tell them just go buy um, Piezo in the app store and you can have it set to just record your mic or you can have it record the entire conversation. And it's interesting because it'll record me alone. My local Piezo will record me alone in the left channel and everybody else in the right channel. So by, by tweaking those settings in GarageBand or, or logic, I can, I can separate it. So it gives us kind of like a belt and suspenders for the show. Probably wouldn't hurt for me to just use a second app as well for even more yeah. redundancy. I, I probably will do that. I've used Piezo, but I like Core Recorder because everything's just automatic. Oh yeah, That's what I like about it. It's just always there. When Skype's open, it's there. And when a call starts, it just starts recording. That, that, and, I love that. That's great. And, yeah, Call Recorder is superior. It is. Um, it records in a un, in an uncompressed format, which Piezo does not. So it, it's definitely superior, but having it running too, I, there's been a couple times in the history of our show where the piezo saved our bacon. So we run that one too. All right. Well, I, I think we've got that concept, but then that also creates issues for the recording or excuse me for the editing portion, because now instead of having one single call that you've got to record, you've got to mix all these down and you're using logic, which um, we're very fortunate in that, um, 
Mark Miles actually does all of our editing for us, and, and he's absolutely amazing. I don't know what he uses. Maybe we'll do a workflow with him one day. Uh, but tell me about how that process works when you get into Logic, because I've thought about buying Logic and, and playing with it a little bit, and why you use Logic over GarageBand. So I used GarageBand for years. Like I was like a master of GarageBand. Um, I've only been using Logic Pro for like maybe a year, maybe a little bit more. And and I kind of knew GarageBand inside out. I could get, I could just get everything that I needed done. Um, but then it was again when we started doing the prompt, and I had more things to consider. So we had like um, jingles and sound effects, which I like to put in that show. We had three of us music, um, and then a Skype recording, and sometimes a guest as well. So there was like so many tracks going on, and GarageBand kind of started to creak and fall apart a little bit. So I started looking into Logic Pro 10. Um, I watched some tutorials, like I looked at some stuff on YouTube, I looked at some stuff on lynda.com, um, and kind of got a very base understanding. Like my understanding of Logic Pro 10 is, is, is minimal. I know how to put the tracks in, I know the editing tools, and I have a good idea of what they do. I have a good, under- I have a base understanding of like, some of the noise gate stuff and the compression stuff. And we do a little bit of that, but I've still got more to learn. Um, and I can kind of fly around it and, and it's so much easier to go in and like take parts out and move tracks together. It's obviously built for that a lot better than GarageBand is. Um, and I think that Logic Pro 10 is extremely powerful and the barrier to entry is really high so i mean if you've never used it you're going to need to watch some tutorials on it because some of the things if you're coming from GarageBand, some of the things are just so unintuitive to the way that you make it work um but it is it is really really good and it has sped things up for me um since i started using it for sure but it's as i say there's a lot to learn and i still have a lot to learn with it um and i'm looking forward to putting more time into learning more about how to make the shows sound even better than they do do you have any other apps you use in your recording and editing process like for instance one of the ones that katie and i both use is shush which is another uh, it's like a couple bucks on the app store but you push a key down and it mutes your mic which is great like today i have allergies and I'm not imposing that on the audience, thanks to Shush. Uh, I don't use anything for for muting because my mixer has a just a mute for my microphone, so I nice. would just sometimes just hit that, and, and that does a good job for me. Um, I guess the other for us, we use Nicecast, which we use to stream the shows. Um, we have a, a server which is hosted at Mac Mini Colo, and we stream out to that, and it stream, and then the Mac Mini streams out to the world. Right? Stephen understands the technical stuff. All I know is I press a button, uh, and stuff starts happening somewhere. Um, Nicecast is an incredibly complicated application. Like to look at it, it's just like I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing with you. Uh, I don't know if you guys use it. I assume you do when you stream as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's kind of maybe the only other one. I use a couple of different apps to do some other things. So, for example, I use, if I have a track that comes into Quiet, I use uh, Sound Studio because it has a really good just boost the audio. Um, so I use Sound Studio for that. And I also use uh, Fission by Rogue Amoeba to, so when I, for example, take some files, because Core Recorder spits out MOV files, um, GarageBand, when you drag these into GarageBand, we'll, we'll just we'll change them over to audio files, we'll change them to MP3 or AAC. Logic does not do this, it will not do this, so you have to have an audio file going in. Um, so I use, uh, I use Fission to just batch convert all the MOV files into AIFF files for, to put into Logic. 
Ah, I should look into that because I'm doing it manually now with the, um, you know, with the call recorder tools that ships the call, with the call recorder. Yeah, I was using those, but they are so slow and yeah. they just break. Like they work, but they beach ball so often and you'll wait for 10 minutes and, you, and the file's done, but it's not telling you it's done. Yeah. So like if, if so, you do use these, as soon as that file appears, it's done. But the app sometimes says it's doing other things, like it's waiting, and then it starts beach balling. But it's actually just the UI is frozen. Uh, but I don't like it. It seems I'm then concerned that like halfway through the file, something's going to go weird, and I just didn't wait long enough. So yeah, Fission does that, it super quick, super quick. I, I have that same problem every week because I look at it, and it's just spinning away, and the file looks like it's there. I'll even scrub through the file, and I can hear everything. But I don't listen to every minute of an hour and a half. Exactly. And it's just one half of the recording anyway, just me. So there are gaps in it. So you don't even know if you're missing something. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look into that. So where do, where do you get fishing at? Is uh, it in the app store? Um, I think I bought it outside of the app store. Um, Who makes I it? it Rogamiba. Oh, it's a Rogamiba product. Okay. Yeah. It does lots of stuff. Like Fission is actually an editing app, but it, when you open it up, it gives you a couple of different options. So you can go into the editing or you can just do their batch convert files option, which is what I use. Then I just drag them off a bunch of files in, tell them which um, output I want it to have, like what file format, uh, what quality, and it will just run through and does it. And it does it super quick, so much faster than anything else that I've used. Uh, it's it's is, a really great it- app. Here's the big word. Here's the big question. Is it scriptable? Um, I, I'm not sure. Jason worked out some some script recently to do all this sort of stuff. I'm going to say I don't know because that's one thing yeah. for me. And, it, you know, it, it makes me feel uh, guilty for being on this show. There are so many things about the Mac that I don't understand or don't use. Like, I don't do any sort of scripts. I have no idea what to do in the command line uh, and all of those sort of things. It makes me feel like I'm like a a cheating Mac power user to be on here no, and not, not understand not. any of this stuff. Trust me, with the amount of stuff you're producing, you are not cheating. <laughs> 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 and then, Mike, when you go through an edit, do you listen to every minute of every podcast or do you have like notes of, I know that there was an edit point here, I know there's something I need to clean up here, or are you looking at the audio file and just looking for specific things or does it depend on a show-by-show basis? So I don't listen back to, to everything of anything. Um, just because I've never had the time. That may change as, you know, I recently gave up my full-time job to, to focus completely on Relay FM um, so that I may be able to put more time into that sort of stuff because previously it's like, right, got to get the show out and I've got another show in 20 minutes, so <laughs> let's hurry up. Um, but what I, what I do uh, for most of the shows, I have pen and paper um, and I just note things down. So, I, oh, somebody coughed here. I want to take that out. Or this was an edit point that needs to be fixed. I'll write that down and take that out later. And that works fantastically for me. I have used this sort of system for years. I just have pen and paper next to my Mac and I just scribble things down as I need them. Um, but for analog, Casey Liz has a very, very particular way um, that he likes the edits of shows. Um, they do the same thing. This is the exact same process they have ATP. Casey listens to the file and he presents to me uh, via email a couple of days before we record. So we record on Thursdays and release on Sundays. So on Friday or Saturday, I'll get an email from Casey with a list of timestamps and things that he would like to correct. Um, I correct most of them. Casey has like the ears of like a wolf because he says to me, oh, there was a click here and I cannot hear anything. Like I listen back and I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. So most of those things I 
I ignore, but don't tell him. Uh, but I, he does a lot of editing. So he's like, I'll oh, clean up a stumble that you made, or we spoke over each other here. And me and him have actually been having, and we've always had discussions on this about what's the right way to do things. And, and I think that there's different schools of thought in it. So if we take connected and ATP, so we've connected, we record it on Wednesdays and it comes out about an hour after we record. And ATP, they record on Wednesdays and they release it on Fridays. And, and that comes from just the different ways that we decide to edit. I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer to this. Um, I believe in timeliness. So I like to have a show out as quickly as possible after it's been recorded, um, depending on the, the subject matter. So like a show like this one right now, they're kind of built to be timeless um, to a point. Uh, but a show like Connected, I think we should try and get it out as quickly as possible after we've after we've recorded it. So, and you know, it's the same with analog, right? Analog, we're not really talking about anything newsworthy, so I don't mind waiting for a couple of days. But I just don't like sit, sitting on shows. I feel like as soon as you're recorded, every moment you haven't got them out, they're getting older and there's more potential points for them to be wrong, right? So I just like to get them out as quickly as possible. So there are trade-offs that I think that you make. Um, and it's kind of just accepting the level of trade-off that you're willing to make. So connected could sound better. It could sound better. We could do a lot more work on it. But then I think that we lose something that, that I really love, which is for us to have the show out um, as quickly to the events that have occurred as possible. I think, because um, we've gone back and forth on this over the years with our show as well, and we've had shows that I that I felt like were overproduced at the end. You know, we had you know pulled out gaps and, you know, it, all of a sudden it really doesn't sound like us. And I'm actually in favor of having some of the talking. I mean, because we're doing a podcast, three people on three different time zones. It's amazing that we don't step on each other all through it. And then we've got the delays of the Internet. And we try and fix as much of that as possible. But also we kind of leave it organic because that's just the way these shows are made. I don't Doesn't think the I audience... We've just done it. There. So there's, just, an, there's an yeah. element of like, I, I, I don't like to cut chunks out. Um, yeah. I don't like to do content edits. And there are some people that say, oh, shows shouldn't be two hours long. You should be trimming out. There's like 20 minutes of stuff you didn't need. But I genuinely believe that like every show is a conversation. And if you take any part of it out, you are ruining the flow because the later conversation is informed by everything that comes before it. So even yeah. if you talk about baseball for 10 minutes and then you don't ever reference it again, the arc of that conversation went through the baseball discussion. So without it, I feel like it just lacks some context and, and it lacks the flow. So the, I just believe that you record live to tape, you try and keep yourself to a schedule if you want a schedule. Like if you don't want to have shows that are longer than 90 minutes, then just don't do that. And typically that's the way we are for, for Connected. So with Connected and all of my shows, we have big outlines. So we write big outline documents that have all of the things that we want to talk about. The only show we don't do this on is analog, right? So analog is the outlier. And, and that is run by the way that Casey likes to record. That's how he likes to record with minimal prep. And we talk and if something's bad, we'll pull it out. So that show for me is like the different way to, to how I tend to record, but I'm happy to do that. I think it works for that show. But with everything else, so like with Inquisitive and Connected, etc., we have big lists. So we have these are the topics we want to focus. We even write in some of the points that we say later. So they're like prompts for us to mention. And what we do with that is by going through that document, we know how much is left of the show, where do we want to go with the discussion, and I think it helps us keep to time. So it's very frequently, like on last week's show, 
we kind of got to topic two of four and we were an hour and 20 minutes in. So we're like, right, we're going to pull out those two topics. We'll talk about them later. And that there is a conversation that we have inside of Google Docs. We use the chat in Google Docs and we pull things out of the show and then we reorganize it that way. So we kind of keep ourselves to this schedule, but that's up to you if you want to do that. And I think that you allow yourself to have this conversation and you choose the way that you want it to go. That's how I feel that people should make this stuff and, and not try and regiment it. Like we only, we, are, we can only talk for 30 minutes, but we recorded for two hours. So we need to pull out 90 minutes of audio. I don't really like that. Yeah, and I, I do believe that having an outline helps you avoid going into baseball for 10 minutes because you see what's next up on, on the plate to mix the analogy and, and you want to you know keep going. And I think like in our show, one of the things that Katie does so well is she catches me cause I'm the one who gets spinning off into the, you know, Netherlands and, uh, and, uh, she always pulls me back. So thank you. Do you, Katie. Do you guys talk during the show to each other? Like when you have a guest, like are you uh, saying like Mike's rambling, cut him off, like just get the, the, like the hook and just pull him off stage. You, usually <laughs> it's a, a passive aggressive message towards me about me from Katie. <laughs> <laughs> this is the six minute ad spot. David, move on. No, <laughs> hey, you know what? Speaking of which. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, our exclusive sponsor today, which is Smile Software. And Smile makes some some great software. And one of my favorites is PDF Pin for the Mac. Uh, I just gave a talk uh, a few days ago to a room full of lawyers about how to get better PDFs. And there was a bunch of people there with Macs. And one of the first questions I got asked is, um, what do I do about PDF software on the Mac? Because there's this company that makes a program that costs $450 and I don't think I want to spend that much money. And I said, well, that's easy. Go buy yourself PDF pen for the Mac. Um, Smiles PDF pen is really the, the superior PDF management application and annotation application on the Mac. You can add text and images to it. You can put signatures in, um, right onto your PDF. You can even correct text in an original PDF with editable text blocks. So if you got a problem with the file you can go in and you know change the the 1000 to 1 million if you want you know think about that one for a minute um you can move and resize and copy and delete images right in the original pdf you can redact which is a great thing for uh people like me but you know even if you're not a lawyer and you want to send a document to someone like you're getting a loan done or something you can go ahead and redact your social security number and redaction isn't simply drawing a black box over it it's it's really just taking those pixels and wiping them to black and uh, nobody will ever be able to get that information out. So it's actually quite useful for everybody. It's got the, uh, even the search and redact feature, which I think Katie Floyd is responsible for creating, which is kind of neat. Um, you can perform OCR, which is great. So if you get a PDF that's, doesn't have the optical character recognition built in PDF pin for the Mac does it for you. Have you guys ever done the OCR for PDF pin for Mac and heard that nice gong sound when it's done? Yeah. You're a big I, fan of the sound I, effects. I love that sound. I hope they never take it away. Um, uh, it's got interactive PDF form. So you can, get, if you want, you can go in and, and create them and you can get PDF pin pro for the Mac, which adds even additional features like creating a table of contents and creating your own fillable PDF forms. And, 
Perhaps the best feature, which is in both versions, is export to Word. So if someone sends you a PDF document and you want to turn it into an editable Word document, there's a little entry in the menu item. You just click it. It creates a Word document out of your PDF, and it gives you so much power to be able to go edit and do things with it. So uh, they've really got all your bases covered with PDF Pin for the Mac. Um, they've got great pricing models. You can get it from them directly at Smile Software, or you can get it in the Mac App Store. Um, go check it out and up your game with PDFs on your Mac with PDF Pin for Mac. Thanks, Smile. So, Mike, let's let's talk a little bit about your podcast networks, your many podcast networks. But mm. I, I want to talk first about creating 70 decibels. And, you know, you mentioned that you were just starting these podcasts and it, initially it started that you, you wanted a, a place to to host them together. But but then you started expanding and you started inviting other people to your network. Talk a little bit about that process of how did you figure out how to put it all together? And it seems like you put it all together pretty simply uh, using just a couple of kind of off the shelf tools and then inviting people to join and then growing and expanding the network. So what was that experience like? So I kind of, well, I started the one show that the brochure that I had, it was on Squarespace and this was a long time. And at the time, Squarespace weren't even podcast advertising, right? So it was, it was many moons ago. Uh, I found out about them because they were, they were, they were doing video podcast advertising at the time, but not audio stuff. I used to watch a lot of revision free three shows and they used to advertise on there. Um, so I, I kind of, I knew they were right for me because I have no skills in building websites. I, I don't know any sort of code. I don't know coding of any kind. I know, I know no coding languages um, at all. Um, it's just something I never learned and I've never really put any time into it. So I knew that Squarespace, if I wanted to build any kind of website, was going to be the the kind of thing that I wanted. Like I looked at, looked at a couple of people like Tumblr and WordPress and, and Squarespace allowed me to do what I wanted simply enough. Um, but the way that I built everything was just terrible. So I kind of had Squarespace as the website, but then I used Libsyn for hosting the files. But I used Libsyn to create the RSS feed. So what I plugged into the Libsyn page was what people saw in their, their feed readers or their podcatchers. And uh, I used to then have to duplicate everything on the website. It was so bad um, because I kind of started with one show and it was fine. But then when I started scaling that up, I could see how terrible it was. And then I started using uh, just the Libsyn like URLs with and then using the file enclosure functions of Squarespace to make the Squarespace website create the RSS feed. But then it was all kind of all over the place <laughs> and like, different shows posting in different ways. And it was just an absolute nightmare. Um, because I, I kind of didn't really know what I was doing. And as things got bigger, I kind of just kept replicating it and replicating it. And as I was doing more shows, I, and then as it kind of started to build, I was like, oh my God, this is just a nightmare. Every time we added a show to, to, to the network, I had to kind of like mess around with trying to get the artwork to show up correctly because I'd kind of built it in such a terrible way that, it couldn't scale um, with what I was doing. So that was really kind of the main reason for me. One of the main reasons I wanted to join 5x5 five five was because I kind of couldn't deal with the technical aspects. I wasn't really sure what I should be doing. Um, so there were a bunch of things like people said to us, oh, we want, you know, we would love to you'd have a live stream. But I just had no idea of how I would build that into what we were using. Um, and I think I kind of grew too big for that kind of thing. It was either 
continue using Squarespace and learn how to, to do all this stuff in CSS and HTML or build something completely on your own. That was kind of where I was led to. But then Dan came to me and I thought, you know what, why don't I just not worry about this for a while and just build the sh- and just make the shows rather than building a website. Yeah, all that stuff is very hard. When we started Mac Power Users, I at least had a little background behind the scenes because I had done a podcast before and David had done the Mac Sparky screencast. And so I had made some of those initial mistakes with, with the first show that I had done. But you think about what works for one show is not necessarily going to work for for a group of shows and and then you have you know problems where i know a lot of us were using the google service um feedpress or, or no feedpress i think is the one that we've all moved to now feed but burner. Uh, feedburner feed yeah and then as google started killing off services i know we all got very nervous going what's going to happen to my rss feed that that's the one that i've got published everybody is google going to keep this around and there's there's lots of questions because it's once you've established a brand and an identity and this is where your shows are and you've linked to them in different places, you, you've got to try to keep that legacy information out there alive somewhere because the last thing you want is somebody to be looking for you and to click on something and it it four oh fours and you can't find it. Yeah, I've I've always had a weird burn it down attitude so, <laughs> to that kind of thing. So I agree with like like 75 percent of what you were saying like uh, the feed burner stuff and, and a lot of the reasons why we'll talk about it in a bit but one of the reasons we went completely custom with real afm's site is i didn't want to continue having to rely on other services like when the feed burner stuff was happening i was terrified that my shows were just going to stop existing um and i know i remember you guys had a problem with i think with feed burner it just stopped showing new episodes for you for a while yeah. We did yeah. it at some point, and I don't remember, but all of a sudden we were publishing our shows and nothing was happening. Yep. And I, I think the issue was is that we had outgrown our feed. Somehow yep. our, our feed had gotten too big, and, well, we could try truncating it, but then that was going to cause issues, and that was when we finally just crossed our fingers and closed our eyes and move all of our shows over to the 5x5 feed, and that seems to have worked so far. But it, you know, it was just the... It was this this moment where you realized I am completely dependent on somebody else, and this could all just stop working tomorrow. And there's nothing I can do about it. And that yeah, was and, that know, was too much of a risk for for us when building a business, you know. And see, and that's something where we really benefited because Dan just fixed it for us, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because it was scary, like Katie said. I mean, all of a sudden you start seeing tweets saying, "I'm not getting your show." And you know what? We put a lot of work in these shows. We want people to be able to get our shows. So. um it is, uh, it is, it's still in, to a certain extent, kind of the wild west times of podcasting. Well, like Katie, what I was saying about like when I mentioned it, burn it down is that I have a weird, I have a weird kind of uh, relationship with old content. So, like a lot of my, like my early podcasts, like the Bro Show, it does not exist on the internet anymore. Uh, and I don't even have a backup of it. Like, I'm kind of strange with if something is going to go away, just to let it go away. Like, when seven, the 70 Decibels website shut down, um, like, a couple of weeks ago, because I just left it there, uh, I just forwarded the domain to Relay FM. Um, and I haven't gone in and tried to make, like, slash command space or move to the Inquisitive page or anything like that. I kind of just, if it's gone, it's gone. And a lot of people hate that, especially when you're creating content. And I get that. Um, and now working with Steven, that will never happen because he believes in backing up everything. Um, but I've always had this weird, like, if it if it, something has to go away, then, you know, so be it, let it go away. 
kind of weird. That's not totally weird. I get it. I've done that with certain elements of my life. <laughs> not necessarily the <laughs> podcast. Um, and, and so then you got the urge to go out on your own again. And, and you and Steven started building Relay, Relay FM. So how was the genesis of that? And, and then how do you go about building a podcast network from the ground up? So we've been on five by five for about eighteen months, um, and there's now become this like funny joke with me where like seventy decibels was around for eighteen months, and then we we're on five by five for eighteen months. So I don't know what happens in eighteen months of Relay FM. Like if I maybe just like we start all over again. I hope not, but maybe. So Mike, I have let's this weird, let's schedule like, to have you back this. in about eighteen months to talk about your next new thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Mike's now sending carrier pigeon messages to people. That's that's what he does. Um, so. It kind all, of, all cassette tapes. All cassette tapes. <laughs> all cassette tapes all the time. Yeah. Thanks to yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy for helping everybody out with that. Um it basically got to the point where I'd I'd been in Five by Five for you know for over a year. Um and that was my dream, you know. When I first started podcasting, I thought about oh, how awesome would it be to work with Dan on, on this sort of stuff? Because, you know, I I loved and love five by five stuff. Uh I achieved that dream. Um and then it was only so early in my career, so it was kind of like, well, now what do I do? So I decided I needed a new dream, and that was to start again on my own um, and to just build my own business. You know, uh, I, I loved being a part of a business and of that little family, but I wanted to have my own again. So I spoke to Stephen about it because me and him have worked so closely for years, um, and it was it felt obvious to me, well, to both of us, that we would we would do this together. Um, and then we just started working on on building something you know we knew we wanted a network we knew we wanted to kind of do a bunch of shows that probably would replicate the shows that we were doing at five by five with some additions and some new things we wanted to try out we went through the horrible process of trying to come up with a name oh it's the worst if you guys aren't listening to startup which is this new show by the nx planet money guy um it's a fantastic podcast. There's a whole episode about how they tried to come up with a name for their podcast network. Uh, and it's ugh, naming things is the worst. Uh, so we went through all of that. And then, but the main thing that we wanted was we wanted to build, we wanted to have our own CMS just so we could have control of, of everything. So if you have a couple of podcasts, one podcast, two podcasts, you should use a service like Squarespace, or Simplecast is another great one that, that I'm familiar with that does everything. Um, or you can even you know, build it into your WordPress site or something like that. I think you should do that because I think it's just easy. Nobody should have their own CMS for one or two podcasts. Like it's just too much. Um, but we knew that we needed something that we could have 100% control of. So something that will automatically tweet whenever an episode goes out or whenever we're going live, or we wanted something that would automatically build our RSS feeds. Um, we could have a master feed generated and just all of that stuff. Like uh, we want a system that allows the page to switch over to the live page when, when we need it and to have a little banner that pops up on the site. And just uh, something that I knew that we could add to as we grew. Problem was, neither me or Stephen knew how to build it. So, yeah, I was uh, just even, th I mean, thinking about all this stuff is great. Like, yeah, I want it to do this and this and this and this and this, and I want a pony. And, but, but yeah. how do you, how, how do you do that? I, I don't even know. Exactly. I knew exactly what I wanted. And I knew a bunch of things I wanted to try out, but I had no idea in how to do it. So we started looking around. Um, what I found out is that it costs a lot 
of money to build something like this from the ground up. I spoke to some friends that I knew could do this kind of thing, and it seemed uh, it seemed like it was going to not happen because I needed hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and then uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Tim Smith, who is part of a great little podcast network called Good Stuff FM. Tim had built a CMS for Good Stuff uh, that he'd shown me. And we came to an agreement to license it from him. So those guys helped us. So Tim Smith and Will Duffy, they work with us at Relay FM to build and develop our CMS and website. So, you know, we own our, our fork of the CMS and we work with them on a licensing basis to provide us with support and development. And that works so well for us. We are able to build our own website. Um, it was still expensive, but it was a fraction of the cost of having to have it all built from the ground up. Their system is really, really great. Um, and we've been able to work together to make it fit exactly what we need. It's built on uh, Rails. It's a Rails app. Um, and it's just fantastic. I, I love it so much. Uh, it's kind of exactly everything that I needed it to do. It does. And anything that I need, we just pay them a bit of money and it happens. And it's fantastic. Well, and it all worked out for you because the site looks great and you've got these great shows and, you know, you're on your own. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many things that come in into that, like, you know, so ads, right? Sponsorship is a thing that we need. It's what our business is built on fundamentally is, is to, to for money, right? That's where our revenue yeah. comes from because that's the way that we choose to do it. Um, so I've had to do that. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, so now that, you're, that, you're an advertising person too on top I am, of the host yeah which is it it's has its own level of challenges but on the whole i'm enjoying it but we're working with some people right now to try and help me out with that um and we're going to see how that goes into the future and i may continue doing some of it or all of it or none of it it kind of just is the way that ever we want to balance it. But um, that is how, you know, that's how Relay FM makes money. And that's the way that we choose to do things. And we're working on some stuff for, because people always tell us they want to support us directly. I'm sure you guys get this as well. Um, and, you know, we're working on some things uh, about how we can do that and, you know, just trying out some new stuff. But that's, it's an interesting change to the business, you know, for me. And it's one of the reasons that I am uh, going into doing this professionally or full-time now, uh, is because I now have this whole other part of it, which is the advertising. Uh, I'm working on that, and it, it is a lot of work. It's not an insane amount of work. Like It's not like all of my time is spent on that now, but it is an added layer of work. It's another couple of hours a day doing all that stuff, you know, finding advertisers, contacting advertisers, writing scripts, doing the invoicing, you know, doing all of the management that comes along with all of that. It's just another thing that I have to add on top of creating all the shows and running everything and coordinating everything. So okay, it so kind of felt like the right time. So let's put your Mac Power users hat on right now. How? Okay. What software are you using? How are you pulling this off? All of it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, I mean, Google you're herding cats, which are yep. podcasters, and you're managing uh, relationships with sponsors and with vendors that are helping you do parts of your work. What 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 is holding all this together, Mike? So, if we start at how I work together with um, my lovely co-hosts and colleagues, um, one of the main tools for us now is Slack. I am in love with Slack; like it's it's a real kind of love affair. 
this app is so good. It has its weird things. Um, like it's, you know, on all platforms, it's only partially native. You know, it's a native app, but it really, really relies on an internet connection um, where a lot of other group chat apps don't so much, you know, like uh, we've used GroupMe and, and things like that. But I, I genuinely love Slack because it's just got this different feel to it. We have like a real FM chat room kind of thing where we all just talk throughout the day. I have specific private rooms for all of the shows where we can, I can talk with the hosts about what stuff we want to do coming up next week. Um, and working with the host is like a balance. So between me and my co-hosts, we have a balance on how we work out topics for the week. Usually it's a conversation a couple of days before. What do you want to talk about this week? Um, then we all use uh, Google Drive. Um, so we all share Google Documents. So I have shared Google Docs for all of the shows. So they're the outlines. That's where our outlines live. I'm trying out um, a service called Quip with Federico at the moment for virtual because um, he really, really loves Quip. And it's 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 cool, uh, but I need to try out more of it because I kind of want all of that stuff to live in the same place. So it's either all going to be there or it's going to be somewhere else because I also have a bunch of spreadsheets as well. So that's where we put in like sponsor time codes where I keep tracking tracks of all the invoices that come through. It's where we have our calendar of spots. So like we know who's who we've got booked in and when that all, all of that stuff lives in Google drive. Um, but with the host, like going back to that, we, we just go in and we fill out our outlines and um, on the day of the show, we just make sure everything's in order. I tend to do a bit of like reordering and I put in where I want the sponsor spots to go and stuff like that. Um, when it comes to, to sponsors uh, and partners, a lot of it is email. So, so much of this is email based. Um, I jump on a couple of Skype calls and stuff like that with them, to, especially in the first instance, to talk through what, who we are and what we do and that kind of thing. Um, and then a lot of it then moves to back to Google Drive. You know, that's where I've, as I mentioned, I've got our calendar and stuff like that. All of our ad uh, copy lives in Google Documents as well. So that's where I have all of the sponsor scripts and things like that that I write out and all the talking points. They all live in separate Google Docs also. Um, and then we use FreshBooks for invoicing because uh, it allows us to send out all the invoices really quickly and easily at the end of the month. And it allows us to keep track of it all. It allows to have people pay us, which is super important to give people lots of different options on how to pay you so they can just choose. <laughs> Never restrict the way that you want to get paid. <laughs> give yeah, people right. every option possible. <laughs> Don't just say, oh, we only accept PayPal. Don't do that. Just as many ways as you can find someone to pay you, give them it because you want to make it easy for people. You want to, you know, people, people paying you, obviously they want to do it, but they don't want to have to jump through 20 hurdles to do it. Just give them every option possible. Uh, FreshBooks allows you to do everything. We have PayPal, we have Stripe, we have uh, all of our bank account information into it, you know, which we can give to people because they all go through and they just pay however they want to pay. People pay by credit card, they can pay by a check. We get them with information for that as well. Just allow people to pay you in a million different ways. Also, one of the reasons that I knew I wanted to work with Stephen is so we can have American bank accounts. Extremely important <laughs> for the business because I can't have an American bank account uh, naturally. So us being able to work together like that as well is so important for the way that we run our business. Because if I was saying to people, yeah, you have to send me an international money transfer, I, it's not going to work. I'm never going to see the money, right? Because <laughs> it wants to do that. Uh, so that, you know, we, we use FreshBooks for that. And that's really awesome. Uh, I think from the top of my head, that's a lot of it. Like we obviously we use Dropbox and Evernote between me and Steven. Um, Dropbox is where just 
files live, you know? Um, and we use Evernote for storing things like contracts and lots of like collaborative documents. So like lists of people that we want to contact, or maybe we have a bunch of technical information that we need to share. Like this is how you use the Nicecast server. So that's like a note in our Evernote and stuff like that. And we, and we use those. Um, uh, how about calendaring? Oh, I get to, I, once I mentioned PDF pen. I know you've spoken about right. them, but having to sign contracts now is something I tend to do quite a lot. Uh, without PDF pen, I'd be lost. <laughs> and uh, you know, I have a this is so, this is so nerdy, but uh, when I signed our contracts uh, to have for the CMS. Uh, I used PDF pen for that. Uh, I also got my girlfriend to take a picture of me signing the contract. I was like, one day, one day, this is going to be an important photo. So that's just a weird thing that I did. Uh, <laughs> Good for you. I like that. <laughs> it's just one day this will be important. So I have Make a photo of me signing. Why not, man? Exactly. And there were some fireworks going off in the background and we had like a, no, that didn't happen. Um, calendaring is an important thing. Um, I don't send invites to people so much because we have most of the time a schedule. So, you know, the, the hosts know, like, you know, me and Jason know that we record at noon on Mondays specific time. Like, and if we need to change that, we just, we have a conversation over IM or Slack or something like that, or iMessages and we make the change and I just rely on him changing his calendar and I change my calendar. Um, but I use calendars like, obsessively because I have such a schedule run business. Uh, and the only app that I use is Fantastical. Like I could live with that application. It's like my best friend. <laughs> I Fantastical makes all this stuff so simple for me just t- t- typing in, right? Okay. Virtual at 4 PM on Thursday or my, I think my favorite feature that I discovered a couple of months ago is upgrade at 12 PM Pacific time on Monday. And then mm, I don't even I need to do time do conversion. That. Yeah, it recognizes it. It's you know so the, awesome. Do you know the slash trick? Yeah, for the to add it to different calendars. Yeah, so like when you, at yeah. the end of it, you could put slash uh, s, and it would go into Stephen's calendar, mm-hmm. or you know, you know, it'll uh, pick the calendar name. Yeah, because I have a really podcast. I have a podcast calendar. So I just do slash P and it goes into that calendar. So it stays out of the general calendar and that sort of stuff. Then I yeah. share that calendar with my girlfriend. So she knows when I'm recording. So she knows why I'm not responding to any messages she's sending me. <laughs> so she knows, right, Mike's recording at this time. Okay, so he's not going to, he's going to be away from any sort of communication. So I have that. Um, but yeah, so like Fantastical, that is like, that application is just like my life. It's just so awesome. Now, with all these podcasts, with all these these you know crazy Americans you've got, does that change kind of your 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 schedule? Because I mean, you're what nine hours ahead of the West Coast, I believe, over there. Uh, eight usually. I think. Okay. But today it's seven because <laughs> there's a week where we change our times, but they're different. So you, oh, really? we, we, as we record <laughs> today, we changed our clocks today. You changed them oh, next week. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed that we all got together today based on that information. Fantastic. Well, and- I saved my bacon. I just <laughs> typed it in a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I'm just going to trust that you got it right. Well, and I know because that was a problematic when we were trying to, to schedule this is it, it actually took us a couple of months to get this show scheduled because, you know, I'm on East Coast time in the U.S., David's on West Coast, and, and you're in a totally different time zone. I can only imagine the schedules that you're dealing with. So if- Yeah, yeah. It, it, 
I know like roughly where everybody is time wise. Um, I, I would, I can't say that I know the times, time zones of everywhere, but I have a good idea of like, okay, so Casey is on the East coast. So that's roughly this time. Like I have a good idea of kind of just being able to picture it. But um, for that, I use a couple of different apps for, to check time zones. Because you know, even though I I like to just know, especially if I'm trying to schedule with someone. So, as an as a menu bar on, uh, app on the Mac called Clocks, which is in a Mac App Store, which I really like, um, and I use Jared Sinclair's Time Zones on the iPhone. Yeah, I got uh, that after I heard you talk about that. That's been big, very helpful. Big fan, big fan of that app. Partly because uh, it actually came. Jared had knew he wanted to do some stuff and we were talking like little apps and we were talking after I interviewed him and I mentioned to him about how there's no good time zone app. Uh, and then he was like, I had an idea for one. And he told me about it. I was like, right, awesome. You should also do this, this and this. So the app is kind of like exactly what I want because I gave him some ideas to how, how on like functionality I would need. Like for example, being able to rename time zones because sometimes I like to know that's the Federico time zone and not necessarily yeah. Viterbo or Rome. Um, and also like, I, I love to be able to like clocks does this and, uh, time zones does this being able to just easily move the time around. So it's, it's awesome to know what the time is now, but I need to know what the time's going to be in four hours. So let me just easily drag or tap to get that sort of that, that difference. The, uh, you can also use with the, if you're on a Mac with Yosemite, they've got a today view widget as a world clock widget, which is kind of nice because you just do two finger swipe from the right. And like I have, I have Orlando in there because I know that's Katie's time zone. And it's always nice to be able to check. I mean, it's only three hours. It's not that hard to do the math, but it's nice having, you know, various different time zones. Like I deal with people in Asia for the day job and I never know what time it is there without something like this. Yeah. I step menus also can do that. And can, update yes. the, the clock widget as well, so that when you click on, on the clock widget, the clock in the menu bar. So right now, in fact, Mike, I've got your time. It looks like it's 6.17 p.m. as we record this. Hopefully. It is indeed. That's right. All right, cool. Done. And but I have, I have Italy in there because we were talking to Federico not too long ago. <laughs> we, did, we did something where somebody was like, it was like a half hour ahead. It wasn't a full hour ahead. Well, I forget who it was. Um, Australia. Could be Australia. Yeah, it's just completely nuts. I mean, yeah, the first I time I found that out, I was like, sorry, what? You're nine and a half hours ahead of me? No, that's that you can't be right because we only do this in hours. So you must have missed it. <laughs> but, uh, David, you asked me like about uh, times, like time shifting, kind of really. Yeah. So I have been for at least the last maybe six months at the really like relay kind of added to this. I tend to go to bed at like about 2 a.m. Uh, and then wake up at seven to go to work. Um, that is hard work <laughs> on, on your body. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. But what I'm planning to do with Relay is to, is to still be going to bed at maybe two, between two and three, uh, and then just waking up later. Yeah. Because I'll be able to do that because I'll be my own boss. I, 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 it makes more sense for me to be closer to uh, like Eastern time than London time. Uh, because of the kind of the work that I do and, and where um, my colleagues and, you know, the business that I work with, where they're based, tends to be all in the States. So it makes well, sense know, for me to do that. For for the listeners, Mike, I believe your day job is you're, you're in banking, right? 
Yeah, I I currently well, I'm about to leave a marketing job at a bank. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so Mike, I've always felt a kinship towards you because I'm like you. I work for the man, and then I come home and I write books and do podcasts and do all this other stuff. I feel like it's like this double life. Yep. And Mike is he's sticking it to the man. He said, "Hey, I'm out of here. I've got this network. It's it's good enough. I'm going to be working this full time now." And I'm very happy for you. And I wish you Thank the you. most luck at this. I'm taking a bit and, of a leap of faith, but because um, we're kind of we're kind of there, um, finance wise and stuff, like pretty yeah. much. Uh, but I figure if I can put a hundred percent of my time in rather than like fifty percent, I think we can grow relay even more. And I think it needs that sort of attention now. Yeah, you're at that point where it needs it. Yep. Yeah, and that's probably a good point to take our next break because Mike, I I want to talk to you, and I'll give you a little preview so you can be thinking about it during the break. I want to talk to you about how you managed this while you're in the day job. I know you're still there because I know I've been listening to your podcast for years. Going, I don't know how I do this with one show. I don't and have a job. I don't understand how Mike does it with like twenty shows and having a job. And and then I also want to kind of talk to you about your plans for the future and, and all of that transition. So stay tuned for that. But before we go there, I want to do take a moment and thank our exclusive sponsor for this episode, our good friends over at Smile. And let's talk a little bit about their other app, which is Text Expander. And I want to talk about Text Expander Touch for iOS. Because we've raved about Text Expander for a long time, but Text Expander for iOS just got a huge bump when it became available for iOS 8. And the biggest thing with Text Expander for iOS 8 is it now includes a custom keyboard for iOS 8 that makes your snippets available for expansion in any app for the first time ever on iOS. And I think I need to explain just exactly how big of a deal that is. That means that all of these text expander snippets that you've created on your Mac, that you're syncing via Dropbox, and they're now automatically on your iOS device as well. All of those snippets, whether they're dozens or hundreds or even thousands of snippets that you've created, you now have access to in all of your applications across all of iOS even Apple native applications that would never support Text Expander before, for things like Mail, Safari, Messages, any application using the new Text Expander keyboard. So I personally have dozens and dozens and dozens of Text Expander snippets that are set up. Uh, many of them are specifically to be used with email correspondence, and that was just simply never going to happen on iOS using Apple's built-in mail app. But thanks to the Text Expander keyboard, it's easy. So you go download Text Expander Touch um, in the App Store. It's available for $4.99. You install the keyboard in the system preferences, and don't be freaked out when you get that message saying, hey, Text Expander wants access to your stuff. Are you going to allow this? Text Expander respects your privacy. In fact, you can go on their website and check out their blog post, and they'll explain to you exactly what information they're collecting, not much, and what they're doing with it, really nothing. But you can learn all about that and why exactly they need access to your stuff. And then you can start accessing the full array of text expander snippets on your keyboard. So I can just type a few custom strokes in the mail app using the text expander keyboard and boom, all of a sudden I've generated several paragraphs worth of text in an email. You can do this in just about any app on your iPhone, really any app now, thanks to the custom keyboard in text expander touch for iOS 8. Uh, we had the developer of Tech Expander come on in our iOS developer show and talk a little bit about just exactly how excited they were about this when they heard about it in the developer's keynote at WWDC and how they went back to implementing this because this is really 
the text expander that we've all been waiting for for iOS. And, you know, my good friend Max Sparky there is so excited about it that he went ahead and decided to do an entire video showing you exactly what you can do. So you may want to check that out too. They've been constantly updating it. It's getting even better. The most recent update now includes 14 different languages for their keyboards, including some of those weird keyboards like the Azerty keyboard. I don't even know what that is. And the Quartz keyboard. I don't know what that is either, but they now support it. And they've also gotten better at predictive typing because keyboards are new and they're keeping reiterating with every single version. So go check it out. You can find more information at smilesoftware.com, including checking out that video that David did. And you can go buy Text Expander Touch for iOS and the Mac App Store. So thanks to Text Expander for your support of Mac Power users. So, Mike, how do you do all this stuff at once? <laughs> so. Uh, there's kind of the, the simple answer is with great difficulty and not a lot of sleep. Like that's how I've done it in the past. Like trying to have a trying to actually perform well at a nine to five job, and also try and build a business because it would have been easier for me to just be like, ah, whatever, who cares about the job? But it's kind of not the way that I am. Like even if I thought I would do that, I'd end up just working as hard anyway because I don't really kind of like to. It, it, it didn't feel fair to me to to screw those guys over, and also they were providing me with the money that I needed to, so I could run my business. So I kind of had respect in that way. Yeah. So, kind of also um, work for a really really large corporation. Um, so one, I can't have my own computer, and two, the computer I use is a very very locked down Windows machine. So I had to just get really familiar with using an iPhone, like. I do so much on my phone, um, which is why I get really frustrated when it doesn't work how I want it to, or, you know, or Apple does something crazy or I have like performance issues. Like it frustrates me because I'm so dependent on it. Um, so a lot of the stuff, like I use apps, right? So I, obviously I can use email apps on my phone. Currently I'm using the Apple mail app, um, because that nothing else really kind of makes me awesomely happy I, I like dispatch but i do actually like to have push notifications on for the relay fm stuff because it tends to be important when it comes in so i kind of want to know about it at least at the yeah. moment um and dispatch doesn't support that they have like these background local notifications but they're like really sporadic do you do that through vips and apple mail or how do you at the moment <laughs> A lot of the stuff that comes just to my standard Relay FM address is stuff that I want to act on straight away. So I just have push notifications on for that account. It doesn't alert okay. me um, like with a sound or a vibration, but the banner pops up yeah. and they're also on the lock screen and, and in and in notification center. So it's yeah. not like stopping me from working, but I see them come in and, and I know when, when I need to act on stuff. I, I like, like you, I'm a fan of dispatch and I use it quite often i i can't wait for them to put something on the ipad but the um like my work account is exchange and dispatch doesn't support that so i i run two different mail applications to get through my mail i loved mailbox but yeah, that's i use one. fast mail for the relay fm stuff and it doesn't support imap at all um yeah. I, have you played around with google inbox wait, I, thought, I thought fast mail does support imap it doesn't oh no it does uh, oh, mailbox. Oh, mailbox, mailbox does, doesn't yes. support IMAP. And yes, okay. Now I'm really kind of. Now I wish I used Gmail more because that Google inbox thing is really awesome. Like I've seen yeah. people who have 
a ton of email go into Gmail and it and it does a really, really interesting job of pulling things out. It's really impressive. It is actually genuinely really impressive. I hope that I know a lot of people are terrified of Google. Um, I'm not one of those people. Uh, I hope that they find a way to allow any email address to go into that at some point. I think it's in their best interest to allow that. There's rumors that they're going to be doing it with Outlook and, and uh, Yahoo addresses, but we'll see. Anyhow, um, so I, I use like the Google apps, uh, like the Docs, Sheets and Drive app a lot. Um, obviously, I use Fantastical on my iPhone. I have time zones for like, all, you know, to check all of that stuff. Um, Evernote, Dropbox, like they're all there. And, and I can do most of the stuff that I need to do uh, on my iPhone on a daily basis. And then there's just a bunch of things that I leave to later, you know? So I'm like, okay, this isn't as easy to do on my phone. I'll wait until I go home to do it on my Mac. And I remind myself by using OmniFocus. Um, I am an OmniFocus user. I am not an advanced OmniFocus user, but I love what what I can do with it. So I'm very much like, I don't really use projects and stuff at the moment. I'm thinking about doing more of that in the future, but it's kind of just like a, an advanced to-do list for me. And it works really, really well because it does that in an awesome way. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, I love the, um, the today widget. So fantastic. Um, and it's just simple. I just, it's simple to do the simple stuff and it's also simple to do the complex stuff, depending on how much of it you want to use. And, so OmniFocus, since I started using it, has kind of saved my bacon on a daily basis for like the last maybe 12 months. Big, I'm a big fan. But Mike, yeah. what about just time management has got to be a huge issue, at least as long as you've got the day job. And I know some of that because you're really running two full-time jobs. And you could even argue that the Relay FM stuff maybe maybe more than a, a full-time job. I don't know. But I mean, so you've got the, the typical nine to five plus a commute that, that most people do as their, their full-time job. But then you've got all of this other stuff that you have to do for the podcast network. And not only is there all of the administrative and the scheduling and the sponsors and making sure that the CMS and the website and all of that stuff is working, but you have got to physically block aside there. You know, how many hours of, of podcasts do you produce in a week? And I don't know the answer to that. Maybe that you do, but my, my guess is it's, it's somewhere between four and eight hours of you are actually on the air you know, your voice is speaking into a microphone that many hours a week. Plus, you got to figure for every hour that you're on air, you're probably spending some amount of time, at least half or maybe at least that amount of time editing those shows. And then with the day job that, you know, they're, you're very restricted time wise to the number of hours that you can do that because you can't you can't do it. Oh, I can't do that at 2 p.m. because I, you're physically at the bank. I would love to say that I had. Uh, a system um, or an app that that I'm religious with, you know. But for me, it's kind of just a simple fact is I know what I have to do in a day. So, you know, I know my calendar tells me I have this amount of podcasts I'm recording today. Um, I think at the moment it's like between five and ten hours a week um, of of like audio that I'm putting out, uh, probably on on average. Um, I know that it's going to take that amount of time to do. So the calendars tell me that, um, and OmniFocus tells me the projects that I have for the day. So I know I need to do all of these things. Uh, and I'm relatively good at, at understanding deadlines, um, like just intuitively. Like I'm, I'm a very good procrastinator, but I know when I need to stop doing that. 
you know, so I could be like, okay, I've, I've got a ad script to write. Um, I know this needs to be done by Thursday. So I'll put it into OmniFocus on Monday. Uh, and I can, and I know I've got a couple of days that I can kind of defer it until I get it done. Uh, and I'm very good at, I'm very good at jumping around from project to project. I'm very bad because I jump around from project to project. Um, but I can kind of dip into something. So, okay, I'll go in and do a little bit of that. Okay, well, now I want to go and do a little bit of this. I'll go do a little bit of that. And and that's kind of like I've I've been able to sort of wrangle my uh, my very short attention span into like a way that allows me to get a lot of work done, but in small chunks. And for me, it's just a case of I know when I need to. I know I know that I'm like this, so I make considerations for that, um, and I remind myself about things a lot uh, by using something like OmniFocus to do it. So I just put something in a couple of days early, and then I kind of just check it off as I go along. Well, I, and, I think another piece to that though is that you know honestly. I feel like, like I said, I feel a kindred spirit. I, I, I'm always struggling with this stuff and there, there is no application that is going to give you an extra 10 hours to record podcasts. You're going to have to say no to certain things and you're just going to be really, you're going to be really, you know, very careful about what you agree to do. Yeah. That is one of those things like, uh, I wouldn't, I'm not one of those people that says no to everything. I don't say yes to everything. And I don't have hard and fast rules as to what I agree to do. I just know something feels right. Um, like when, when, we, when I started the show uh, Upgrade with Jason, I didn't really have time in my schedule. So if I would have faced that, that you know, having the standard yes or no, I probably would have had to have said no. But there was no way I could say no to that. So I just moved things around and found the time. Um, I, I figure but, but taking that to its logical conclusion, at some point, you can't say yes to every show that walks in the door. At some point, no. you have to make a decision about which ones stay and which ones d- go. And mm-hmm. obviously, a show with one of the preeminent you know, commentators in this space is going to stay. Mm-hmm. So I... I don't know if I'm being too um, obtuse about this, but I, I do think you you have to make a lot of decisions in order to keep this thing this thing rolling. Yeah, and and, and you know, having done this for the time that I've, I've done it, I know when it's time to to end a show. You know, if, if if something's just if it's not going right anymore, it's not exciting to everybody anymore. I'm I'm good at understanding that and then dealing with that, however it needs to be dealt with. So that could mean the show needs to have a new format. Or it needs to to go away, and you know I, I've I wouldn't say I've been vicious with it because I don't think that I am, but I'm I'm in tune with that idea, so I'm able to to deal with it where I need to. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like you know, if if every uh, popular Mac enthusiast in the world contacts me to do a show, I can't do one with all of them. So I kind of feel like I just have a an internal barometer of the things that I think are going to work and not work. Um, and if I feel like I can make it work, then I'll find a way to do it. But I don't have like, I don't have like a, a set guideline, an internal guideline that I live to. I just kind of do what I think is the right thing for me to do at a given time. So it's not, it's unfortunately not a workflow, guys. No, I, no, I think no. that's, I think it's actually sane. <laughs> you know, you just got to take it one step at a time. 
And- yeah, I, I try not to, to live too much into the future in that way as well. Um, like I like to have plans and, and sort of ideas for where I want things to go, but I'm more than comfortable to take a diversion. Um, and, and that kind of helps with that, I think. Well, then let's let's talk about the future a little bit since you have no plans for the next. <laughs> what, 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 what do you see as changing uh, as you transition over the next couple of weeks into making Relay your full-time gig? How, what are, I mean, obvi- the, the big fear is, you know, is this going to work? Am I going to be able to, to make a living and, and things like that? But, but taking all of that aside, uh, your lifestyle is going to change very dramatically. You know, you no longer have to get up and have a set place that you have to go at a, at a set time. So um, h- how are you planning to accommodate for some of those things? And have you given any thought to, to how your, your work life is going to change? It's going to be a, a change that I know I can't fully prepare for because I have no bearing for what it, what it's going to be like. Like I, I, I have some things that I know I want to do and some ideas, but I'm, I'm also kind of trying not to be like, okay, and I'm going to do this on Mondays and this on Tuesdays because I feel like it's going to be something that I've, well, it's something I've never experienced. But so, you know, one of the things I know I'm going to do is I'm going to change my sleeping and awake hours, which which I mentioned, you know, I'm going to stay up a little bit later and, and sleep in a little bit later too, to try and give myself an uh, adequate amount of sleep now. Um, but still not, still being able to put the time in because I'm on the other side of the world and a lot of the things that I need to do are occurring later in the, the day here. Um, but then I'm actually looking forward to having a little bit, more time to myself again um in one way or another i feel like over the last couple of years at least i've just if monday to friday i am working like for as much as i'm awake i'm working so i'm you know i'm looking forward to like getting more exercise playing more video games but don't get me wrong i'm going to be doing only a little bit less small work in a day, right? I'm going to be putting in practically from the moment I wake, well, from the moment I wake up to the moment I sleep, I'll be thinking about Relay because that's kind of the way that I am. But I feel like a lot of the stuff that I do can be just thinking about things, thinking about what I want to do, what do I want to go to do next? So I can be doing that whilst I'm swimming or something, you know? Um, and so I'm looking forward to, to having a different working schedule like i'm I'm looking forward to going to co-working spaces and working from different offices and, and trying to stay out of the house that way and, and stuff like that but i'm i'm kind of i am excited in the idea of just refocusing myself and trying to to build a new way of working and one of the one of the things that i'm most happy about for going full-time is I can put more work into the content of the shows than I have before. Um, I can do more reading of stuff before the shows to make sure I've got as much background knowledge as possible. I can put more work into the outlines to to flesh out our topics for the week and maybe take a, a little bit more pressure off of the hosts that I'm working with and putting some of that sort of stuff together. So like in the short term, I see that my my life, my quality of life is going to improve and the shows, I think the quality of the shows are going to improve. Um, I allow myself more time to create more shows if I want to now, <laughs> because I could just do that. Um, but one of the, one of the key things 
Uh, and I mentioned that that podcast startup that I've been listening to. It's interesting because it is a bunch of guys who are starting a podcast network, uh, and they're talking about that. So it's you know it's it's kind of parallel to my life. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about is when I'm able to focus on Relay FM completely, I can think about how do we how do we grow the business side of things. Um, you know, where is our focus next? Like if we want to try, do we want to try and like diversify the way that we make money a bit? Like, how do we do that? What what are the interesting things that we can try and focus on that advance the business that maybe other people aren't doing? Or what is the way that, uh, what is the way that Relay FM does membership or listener support if we do it? How do we do that? What is different to the way that we'll do it, to the way that other people will do it? Or how do we think is the right way for us to do it? Um, you know, if, if we ever want to sell T-shirts, how do we do that? That makes the most sense for Relay FM. Where at the time I've been kind of just like, okay, what's the easiest way to do this? What is the way that takes the least amount of time and effort? We're going to have to do it that way because I can't manage another project. Or you know, it's the same for Stephen, right? He also works a full-time job. Um, what is the easiest way that the two of us can do this? That means that we can get in, get out, we make everybody happy. Um, but now I want to be able to think to myself, what is the way that Relay FM wants to do this? How, what is the best way for us to do this with no matter how much work it takes because I can focus on that? That's the thing that I'm most excited about. Like that's my biggest plan now is I can do things the way I've wanted to do them rather than just the way I've had to do them. I noticed with the exception of Clockwise, which is uh, a show that Jason Snell brought to your network, that you are the co-host of every show on Relay. Do you see that mm-hmm. changing? Eventually. Um, I get uh, a surprising amount of people contact me um, pitching shows or suggesting that they would be a good host or a friend of theirs would be a good host. I didn't expect this as much. I maybe thought in the first week. Uh, we did get a lot in the first week, but I, I continue to get them. And I'm also, I also have people that have contacted me that I think would be great. Um, and I would like them to. And previously I've said, you know, I haven't got the resource right now to deal with that. Um, even if I'm not on the show at all, there is a lot of resource that goes into having a show on the network, even just admin and helping with sponsors. Um so what at the moment, my sort of feeling is we're going to see how our resource plays out over the next little while. But the key thing and the key reason is I don't want Relay FM, we don't want Relay FM to balloon and just have everything. And every show that we have added, even down to the original set of shows, we've tried to think, how does this fit with Relay FM? How will it? fit with all of the other shows that we're doing how do they complement how do they clash how do we build a show around that and try and make it fit in its own way um and that is kind of like the way that we want to continue with building the network i have ideas for other shows i would like to do Stephen has ideas for shows that he would like to do and we have ideas for the type of shows we want to be on the network the type of people that we want and how we want to grow that a big thing for us right now is we want to diversify the type of hosts that we have. Um, we have no women on the network. I really want to change that. And and that's like a big focus for us is what do we do there? Um, and, and how do we make that fit in the way that is best for everybody? Um, and, you know, there's, there's all these sort of little things that we're thinking about. And, and that's kind of like how we think about how do we grow Relay FM? I don't want it to have like a hundred shows. 
but I don't want it to stay at the six that are currently there. You know, one of the things I, I think you should fight for when you when you go out on your own is you're going to have a little extra time and and get those little gap time where you don't have time planned, where you can just kind of have some downtime. Because I've always found that but keeping that in my life makes it a lot easier to come up with great ideas for for the other stuff. I can see you, Mike, just like immediately filling all that time. Mm -hmm. I guess don't do that. Leave leave the brain space, right? Yeah, exactly. Give yourself a little bit of space in there somewhere because now you're going to have it. So take it. If you have to schedule that, you know, schedule some <laughs> as, as goofy as that sounds. I mean, fight for that space. That is good. Oh, advice, exciting. Actually. Yeah. Thank you. Mike, I, I am so happy for you. I am uh, love the work that you do. Keep it up. And uh, congratulations on, on making the jump and on creating Relay FM. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, means a, it genuinely means a lot to me, uh, especially having been a fan of your show for so long. Uh, like one, to be on it, and two, for you to both have to say those things is, feels very, very good, I must say. Thank you. Well, Mike, <laughs> tell, us, uh, tell us where people can find you. Relay.fm. Uh, you can. You have a pretty good shot that if you click on something on that website, I'll be there. Um, it's all Mike all the time. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm happy we have Clockwise. So if if you want, if you don't like the sound of my voice, but you want to listen to something on Relay FM, then you should download Clockwise, which is a fantastic show, and I am really honoured that we we have Clockwise as, as part of our show list. Um, I am also on Twitter. I am at imike. That's I M Y K E. Um, I also have my own blog which barely has anything on it at mikehurley.net um and that's a good place if you want to contact me i have all sorts of links and stuff there but relay.fm we're in itunes we're in all your favorite apps uh you should go go and listen to a couple of shows i think we've got some stuff you'll enjoy sounds great well mike thank you so much for joining us we'll have links to everything that we talked about in this episode on our website at macpowerusers.com or at 5x5.tv slash mpu you can also find us on twitter i'm at katie floyd david is at max sparky and the show is at macpowerusers you can also send us feedback to feedback at macpowerusers.com thanks smile for exclusively sponsoring the show and we will see you all next week